All right, so here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to be in John 20, verse 1 through 18. All right? And I've titled this message three days later. Uh, over the past few weeks, uh, Pastor Dan has been going through some heavy stuff with us, right? I mean, we've talked everything from Jesus being on trial to, uh, you know, the crowd, the angry mob that's out there would rather have a career criminal released than Jesus who has done nothing wrong. So he had, I mean, Pastor Dan has been dealing with just unbelievable hatred towards Jesus for no reason, right? Here's a, here's a guy walking around doing nothing but good and offending some people because, I mean, you know, when you do good, sometimes you're going to offend some people. It's just, it's just the truth. But here's Jesus, and he's done nothing but good. And here's an angry mob that wants to have him killed. And Pastor Dan's been talking to us in my heart. You know, you can hear this story over and over, but every time it should speak something to you. Of what Jesus went through. Of what he actually went through so that we could have a relationship with him. And have a relationship with the Father. So over the last three weeks, you've been talking about Jesus being brutally beaten and how his body was so messed up that you couldn't even recognize him. And how Peter, you know, has de- denied him, you know, a- after he promised him he wouldn't. How many of you guys have been let down by somebody before? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and the last thing was is, is how Jesus fulfilled every prophecy in the Old Testament. How many of you know he had to fulfill those prophecies to become our Lord and Savior? It had to be, it had to happen. And Jesus did. I mean, you can line it up, like, like Dan said, you Google the Old Testament prophecies and Jesus nailed every one of them. He nailed every one of them. Literally nailed every one of them to a tree. Because <laughs> that's what he came to do. He came to be our Lord and he came to be our Savior. And then he sent his Holy Spirit to be our comforter. So, someone who, who guides us through our life. Because it's not a journey that we walk alone. It's not. It's really easy. It's really easy in our lives to hide in the shadows and, 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 and be by ourselves and try to just live it our own way, right? Because we think we know best about ourselves. But there's someone who knows better. And he's begging and he's asking for a relationship for each one of us. And so I know at my, in, in my own life, you had, I had to come to the realization that, you know, this God... I grew up in church, so I heard all about him my whole life growing up and everything. But when, it re- when I really finally realized that he wanted a personal relationship with me, it blew my mind. The God of the universe, the one who created this whole thing, even as Shelley said, create, created the world with his words. That God wanted a relationship with me. It blew my mind. So here's what I want to do. I want to pick up in John 20, uh, 1 through uh, 18. And I'm going to read, Okay. So no one falls asleep on me. This is the word of God. All right. Dan was promoting it earlier as well. He should have. And I mean, this is it. This is it. This is what what it is. It's the best. All right. So first 20 or excuse me, chapter 20, verse one. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. Let me pause right there real quick. You're going to notice a lot in this scripture. I almost titled this message, um, Running, because everybody's running in this message. Mary's running. Peter's running. The disciples are running. Peter's obviously the slowest one out of the bunch because he gets beat to the tomb on the way back. But... Everybody is running. So verse 3, here we go. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. There we go again. But the other disciple outran Peter. Poor Peter. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, it's never fun to get out and ran. All right. And reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the stripes of uh, strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen laying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus's head. The cloth was uh, still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went inside. And Jesus, oh, excuse me, he saw and believed. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. So here's what's hard for me to understand. These the disciples of Jesus, the ones who, who, who basically walked away from him when he was dying, they go to, they, they go to this tomb. Mary Magdalene has come up to him, and she's told him, Jesus is gone. The stones rolled away. Jesus is gone. They come to the tomb. They see it, and they believed, but then they went back to their homes. They left. Verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head and one at the other foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. I do not know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. You've got to remember, last time she saw Jesus, he was brutal. I mean, he had been beat. He looked nothing like his, his self. So when she looks at him this time, she doesn't even recognize him. How could this be Jesus? Last time I saw him, he was a mess. All right, here we go. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned, or, she turned toward him and cried out, Rabboni, which means teacher. How I many you know sometimes it just takes God to call our name? To get our attention. He can be standing in front of us. And he can be saying, I'm here, I'm right here. But when he calls our name, it means something to us. He knows us personally. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told, them, and she told him that he had said these things to her. So, that's a lot of reading right there, all right? And you're still with me. I'm so happy, all right? But here's, I mean, this scene. We pick this scene up when everything has gone wrong. Everything is wrong. Here's, here's Jesus Christ, the one they followed for three plus years. Here he is, and he's been killed. All their hopes, all their dreams have been dashed in one day. Everything. So now they're back at their homes and they're trying to figure out what does life look like now? What do we do? We don't really have a game plan for this. Have any of you guys ever been in that situation? Something happens in life and you're going, what do I do now? That was not on my radar. That was not supposed to happen. What do I do? I know I've been there more than once. <laughs> not just one time, more than once. Because when things hit you like that, it kind of paralyzes you. You don't know what to do. All you can do is rely on what Jesus has said to you. 
right? And what his scripture says and what his word says. And these are where the, these are where the disciples are caught. I want to focus in on Mary Magdalene today. And the Bible and history tell us that Mary Magdalene was one of Jesus' disciples. Even though she wasn't one of the twelve, she was a disciple of Christ just like me and you. Jesus cleansed her from seven demons. Sometimes interpreted as referring just, just to illnesses. She became Jesus' close friend, especially in his last days. She was present at the cross after all the other disciples had fled. She was present at his burial, and she was the first person to see Jesus resurrected. Who is this lady? I mean, that's what I wonder when I read this. This lady who is just basically just shows up at the end, and Jesus shows up to her first. Jesus tells her all these things to go tell his disciples. I mean, he entrusts her with so much. So when I was reading through it, I was like, who, who is this lady? Why did he go to Peter? Why did he go to John? Why did he pick her? But I want to pick out three character, characteristics of her life today. Three characteristics. The first one is this. Is Mary Magdalene, she was desperate without him. She was desperate without him. While everyone else was at home, figuring out the rest of their lives, trying to come up with a game plan of what to do now, all the other disciples who had followed him, while they're at their house trying to come up with their best ideas, here's Mary Magdalene just torn up at the grave. Here she is, just torn up. What have you done with him when, the gar- when she thinks it's the gardener she's speaking to? Where did you put him? Just tell me. Tell me. I'll go get him. I'll take care of him. I'll take care of his body. While everybody else had, had, like I said, was trying to figure out the future and trying to figure out what to do, she was still desperate without Jesus. I'm not saying that the other disciples weren't, but you can tell from her desperation. She was desperate. And I felt, even as we were worshiping this morning, um, you know that Jesus doesn't respond to need. Some of you go, what are you talking about? The Lord doesn't respond to our needs. If he responded to our needs, there wouldn't be a hungry person in the world. Everybody would have enough money to do whatever they wanted to do. Because we, we, we need that. You know what he responds to? He responds to desperation. He responds to desperate people. He responds to people who are sold out for him and are desperate without him. That's what he responds to. As I was sitting there this morning, I thought, oh, wow. I just love it how you can get into worship sometimes and Jesus talk to you personally. It's huge. But Jesus responds to desperation, and that's what Mary Magdalene was. She was desperate without him. She wouldn't give up to the reason that, that Jesus is gone. She, she wouldn't. She, would, she wouldn't let, uh, allow herself to go there that Jesus is gone, now what? While everybody else had, she, she, she still had faith that this, cannot be, this can't be the end. You know, three years and now it ends like this? How is that possible? No, she stayed desperate. Number two is this. She was thankful for him. 
I mean, think about what Jesus did for this lady. She was a wreck before he came up to her. She was a wreck before, before she encountered him. Delivered of seven demons, all these things. She was a wreck, but she never lost her thankfulness towards him. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done for me. How do you know it's easy sometimes to, to be thankful for something for a season? I'm thankful for what you've done. But eventually that thankfulness wears off and it just becomes just another story to tell, right? Just another thing that's happened in life. But Mary Magdalene didn't lose that thankfulness. She was still thankful for all that Christ had done for her. And I know in my own personal life, it's easy to lose that thankfulness for what God had done for me, for, for saving me. For pulling me out of sin. For pulling me out of this and out of that. It's easy for me not to be thankful anymore because it was so long ago. A lot of stuff has happened since then. But I want to live a life that's thankful for what the Lord has done for me. Lord, thank you for taking this sin out of my life. Lord, thank you for for saving me, giving me eternal life. Thank you for the opportunities that you're giving me to witness to people around me. Thank you. God can use a thankful heart. Because if we stay thankful, he can trust us. But like I said, as time goes on and, and things pass, that memory gets shorter and shorter and things become smaller and smaller. And Jesus is just saying, hey, just stay thankful. Stay thankful for what I've already done. There's more to come, but stay thankful. I remember when I was going through horrible things in my life, you know, three, three, four years ago. And uh, this is going to be the end of me. Really? I mean, that, I had made that up in my mind that this is going to be the end of me. Life is over and there's no more coming back from this one. <laughs> Have you guys ever been there in, anywhere in your own life? Exactly. Whether we raise our hands or not, we've all had those moments. And I remember I was desperate. I was desperate for Jesus. I was desperate for him to speak to me. I was desperate for an encounter from him. And it wasn't just like, an, like, a, like, a, like Jesus came up to me and told me something. But it was just the comfort of his Holy Spirit that got me through those times. And I will remain thankful to him for the rest of my life for that. I will. And if, and if somewhere if I slip up, I'll remind myself of what he's done for me. And continue to be thankful for what he's already done and what he's going to do. So she was thankful. She was thankful for what he did. I mean, Jesus did great things throughout the whole Bible for a lot of different people. Well, in the Gospels. I mean, and, and still is today. Did great things. But you didn't see all those people there at his grave, did you? You didn't see, I mean, you didn't even see his disciples there until Mary runs back and tells them. I mean, this lady had it going on, all right? She was the real deal. She was desperate. She was thankful. Number three is this. Is she was filled with joy when she encountered him. She was so filled with joy that Jesus had to say, whoa, don't touch me. Don't touch me. 
Stay back. You over there, I'm over here, okay? We'll talk from a distance. Don't touch me. And he gave her reasoning and all that stuff. But she was so overjoyed. She was so overjoyed that she didn't know what to do. Have you ever been so happy that you freak out and you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Start screaming, jumping, doing something. I mean, that, that's like one of the best feelings in the world, right? You're just so happy. You're like, now what do I do now? I remember when I was a senior in high school and uh, I drove around an old beat up pickup truck uh, from sophomore year to, to, to my senior year in high school. And I loved the truck. There was nothing wrong with the truck. It was an old beater, you know, like I loved it. I could put people in the back of the beds and we could drive through pastures and go mud and all that stuff you do in Texas, you know. <laughs> Mudden was probably the best. It had been stuck in the mud a lot. It had dents in the back of the tailgate where people had to come push me out, get me out of the mud. I mean, it was my truck. And I loved that thing. Lots of good memories in there. But I remember coming home, and I was about to graduate from, from, um, from high school. And um, I remember going places with my dad, you know, like to different colleges and visiting. And, he would, and, and I would say, I don't know if my truck's going to make it this far, you know, like... I, don't, I mean, I may get it here, but it'll never come back home because it'll be done. Um, but he never really answered the question, you know, so I kind of knew something was up. I was like, he was like, oh, yeah, we'll figure something out. I was like, what does that mean? You know, I, I take what people say and I try to look into it as best as I can. So I knew something was up. Anyways, I come home from school and I go to my room and I can't remember. I think I was going out to the to the driving range. So I, I had my golf clubs and I was coming back outside and I was going to the driving range just to hit some balls or whatever. And I walk outside, and there's this new Mustang in the, in the driveway. And you know that freak out, what do I do, happy, joyful thing? <laughs> that's exactly what hit me. And see, that's what hit Mary Magdalene on a whole nother level. This joyful, happy, oh my gosh, it's you. I knew it. I tried to tell everybody. I knew it. I knew you weren't gone. That's why I haven't left. She was so joyful. She would not allow what the circumstances to determine the way she felt. Does that make sense? A lot of times in life, our circumstances determine how we feel. They determine how we think. They determine the choices that we make. They determine lots of things, our circumstances. But Mary Magdalene didn't let that happen to her. She didn't let that happen to her. Of course she was sad. Of course she was angry. Of course she didn't know what was going on. But that didn't take the thankfulness out of her heart. That didn't take the desperation out of her heart. And that didn't take the joy out of her heart when she saw Jesus. Does that make sense? I want to pose a question this morning. And in in closing, I want to say this. Is what is our reaction when we encounter Jesus? What is our reaction? Now, I'm talking about when you read his word. I'm talking about when the Holy Spirit, you know, you can feel him right beside you as we're in worship. You know, we encounter Jesus a lot of ways. There's different ways we encounter. But what is our reaction? Is it anger? Say, how could you be angry? You could be angry. Well, you never did this for me. Is it pain? Is it a disbelief? 
There's all sorts of reactions that we can have when we encounter the Lord. Is it, where were you when I needed you the most? What was your reaction whenever you got, when you first became born again? What was your reaction? It should have been filled, filled with joy. Just like Mary Magdalene. And you know what? We should never lose that. The circumstances, situations in life, yeah, they come and they beat us over the head. And it's tough to keep that, but we should never lose it. Does that make sense to you guys? Now, it's really easy for Adam to get up here and seem like the happy-go-lucky dude. I live a real life, too. Okay? Maybe it doesn't look like yours, but I have a real life, too. And yeah, circumstances and situations come along. But whenever I encounter Jesus, it always brings a joy to my heart. That whatever the circumstances, situations are looking like right now, there's peace in the middle of the storm. There's a calmness. Remember when Jesus stood on the bow of the boat and said, peace, be still, and the waves are going, that's what he comes to do in our lives. When things are raging, when, when we're in situations that we think we cannot avoid, or there's something, surely this is going to happen, that's when we run to Jesus. Because wherever Jesus is, that's where calmness is. That's where joy is. He is our life. Do we understand that? He is our life. And do I get away from it sometimes? Absolutely. I'm not saying we live this perfect life or I live this perfect life. We are human beings. We have problems. We have struggles. But if we never take our eyes off the author and finisher of our faith, it sure does make things a lot easier.